0: Evening, so excited to get this opportunity to uh, speak in front of you guys i 'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, uh, as he said, my name is Ted krigler i 'm one of the uh, as Chris Benjamin says, the way G interns. Uh, I am from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, if you 're familiar with St. Louis, or if you 've ever been to St. Louis, I attend the uh, McKnight Crossings Church of Christ. I am a junior student at Curley's Ridge College studying youth and family ministry. And so I'm so excited to get this opportunity to work with the youth this summer, but to also get to know and uh, just build a relationship with this church this summer and just to meet uh, everyone. So I'm excited. Uh, If you want to come talk to me, I will talk to you forever tonight. So if you're not a talker, don't come talk to me tonight. But if you are uh, just if you see me, come talk to me. I'm I'm a gentle guy. If you have your Bibles, open them to Mark chapter 10. I kind of have this, uh, this tradition, the first time that I'm preaching somewhere, I tell a story that has nothing to do with the lesson, and that's what I'm going to do right now. And so, let's get our Bibles open to Mark chapter 10. So in St. Louis, we have what we call the St. Louis Zoo, and the St. Louis Zoo is free. There are many zoos in the United States that are not free, such as the San Diego Zoo. And so the San Diego Zoo is not free. So therefore, if an animal gets sick or something happens, they have to announce that. So, for instance, one time the gorilla got sick, and they had to announce that the gorilla got sick. But before they announced it, they said, wait, let's think about this. If we announce that this gorilla is going to be sick, then we are going to lose money. And, you know, we really need this money to come in, you know, we really need to, you know, send these animals to the hospital and build new projects and things like that. So it's like, do we really want to announce it? So they're thinking, they're thinking, and they recently hired, like, this big, like, really big bulky guy as a janitor, just going around, just, like, picking up stuff, and it was like, they're thinking it's like, should we really announce that this gorilla is sick? And so they're like, no. Nah. And so they look at this big, bulky guy who's the janitor, and they said, hey, we will pay you seven hundred extra dollars a day on top of what you're getting paid to dress up like a gorilla and just go in a gorilla pen while the gorilla's sick. And so the guy was like, well, okay. And so this guy dresses up in a gorilla suit, and now he's in a gorilla pen. He doesn't know how to be a gorilla, so he's just he he's doing gorilla-like things for the first couple of days, but not really knowing what he's doing. He's just, you know, just walking around, trying to walk like a gorilla. And so it's kind of an experiment, because they're like, that gorilla just walk 11 different type of ways, and he's looking weird. And so it, they, it continues, and the gorilla is really sick. So the gorilla was in the uh, animal hospital for about two weeks, and so this guy was dressed up as a gorilla for about two weeks. And so he's dressed up and, you know, it goes on, and it's the last day before the gorilla comes back. And this guy, he's really perfected how to be a gorilla at the zoo. I mean, he's, like, beating on his chest. He's swinging from vine to vine. He's throwing bananas at the, uh, at the plexiglass thing, and he's just going crazy. And, you know, he's, he's like, I, I think I got this. I think I got this. And so he goes, and he's going hard. And so he's swinging from vine to vine, and he swings— And now he swings himself into the lion's den or the lion's pit or whatever. And so now he's in real trouble. So there's this guy who's really not a gorilla who's in this this lion's den. So he starts screaming at the top of his lungs for help. And then the lion just kind of just looks at him and it walks over there. And and everybody's watching. And I guess this glass covers, covers it up and you can't hear the sound. You just... You know, you just see this interaction. And so the lion, everybody's just watching. You. If you see a gorilla and a lion, the same thing. You think there's going to be a fight or something like that. And so the lion just kind of does the lion walking and walks over to the gorilla. And, and everything just got quiet for a second. Of course, we can't hear because we're on the outside of the glass. But everything just stopped. There's no fighting. It just, it's just them two just sitting there. And all of a sudden, the lion said to the gorilla, if you don't be quiet, you're going to get us both fired. So... It's a story that I always tell my first-time preacher somewhere that never has anything to do with my sermon, but I enjoy telling it. Mark chapter 10, uh, we're going to be reading through verses 17 through 30, 31. This is the story of the rich young ruler, and hopefully we can get some application out of this and uh, look at this story uh, in a different way or look, see some things out of the story that we have never seen before. So, Verse 17 says, As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept since my youth. And Jesus, looking at him and loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. You have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went sorrowfully because he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looking at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God, with God, for all things are possible with God. Isn't that a powerful statement? For all things are possible with God. With man nothing is possible, but with God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything to follow you. When, I want to pause right there. When I'm reading through the Bible, I, I always pick that person that I want to laugh at, and Peter is always that person, because Peter is always the one that's questioning and has something to say, and you're just like, no, 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 Peter, Shh, just, just listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus, Peter. And so Peter began to say, and he says, Sweet, we have left everything to follow you. Jesus says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left their house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for the sake for or for the gospel or for my sake. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands were precautions in the age of eternal life to come. But many who are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. When I'm reading through this story, there's a couple things that I point out, and there's a couple things that I see. There's a lot of things to be seen in this story, and it's not just, you know, this is not just a story for, for, for the rich. This is a story that applies to each and every one of us, and I think we'll get to that point at the end. But one of the things that I see is understanding that we're not perfect. We see the rich young ruler says, I have done everything. I have follow you, and, and Jesus said, you lack one thing. We have to understand that we're not perfect. You know, sometimes, especially uh, as sports players, we can come sometimes be athletic, and we want to be the best. Or we all have something that, that we like doing, and we want to strive to be the best at that. We, we live our lives trying to do the right thing, trying to be perfect, but we have to understand that we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We all mess up. We all have sins. But We all have, God, we all have a God that gives us grace and understand that we're not perfect. And he gives us constant grace, and he gives us constant mercy every day because he understands that we're not perfect. He understands that he is the perfect one. He is the sinless one, and we are the sinful people. He is the sinless one, and we are the sinful people. And so, and so we see that in verses 18 to 20 where he said, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And as I said, we as humans, we, we, we strive to be imperfect. But we know the only man to walk this earth that was perfect died for our imperfections. He shedded blood for our imperfections. He shed blood for people who are ungrateful. And by people, I mean us, I mean me. Who are ungrateful for the sacrifice that he made, but yet he still loves us. Who understands that we're not perfect, but yet he still died for us. That's the amazing God that we serve. There are countless times when we mess up every day, and he understands that we're not perfect. He says, I still love you, my child. And he's standing there with his arms open, and he says, come. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing, the God that we serve? <clears throat> so we, we understand that we're not perfect, and we go through that. And we know if we put our trust and we put our hopes and we put our confidence and we put our faith in God. That we, we know that we'll never be perfect. But if we put all those things in God, that will put us on the right path to living the right life. To living a life of God, to living a holy life. If we focus our lives on God, that will put us on the path to living a perfect life. By no means by the time we die, or we're going to be perfect. But we must try to live a perfect life for Christ, a sinless life for Christ. And so, and so we go through that. And, and another thing that I saw, and, and you kind of see this constant throughout the Bible. And we see it, he's a call to obey God's command. So if we go to verse 19, and it says, You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, and honor your father and your mother. And we see that list of commandments there. We, we know that, that Jesus gives us rules to live by and he gives us this kind of the commandments to live by and how we should live our lives. He tells us to love and not to hate. And, and he tells us do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not bear false witness, do not be a liar. Honor your father and mother. And this is the way that we should live our lifestyle. This is the way that this is a lifestyle of Christ. If you do these things, you are being the example of Christ. If you do the right thing, you are being the example of Christ. If you follow the commandments of God, you are showing that you are a child of God. You are showing that you are following God's commands. And so we, we see that. And, and, and Jesus gives us that list there of a couple of commandments. We see that God commands his people both in the, in the Old and the New Testament. Where we see this common theme of saying God, God and Jesus saying, here's what you should do. Here's how you should live your life. And sometimes we're like, well, I don't think that works for me. And we try to live our lives our own way. We try to plan our lives our own way. And we, 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 every time we try to plan our own lives, we end up failing. We, we, we try to do things without God. And we say, God doesn't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me, and I want to live my life this way. I want to follow this path instead of this path. And each time we end up failing, we end up in, in, back at the bottom. God has something great planned for each and every one of us. He, he has given talents to each and every one of us. And he has given us talents to serve to serve him, to further his kingdom. Are you going to follow that plan? or Are you going to follow the plan that you have for yourself? Because God is, God, God is sending you a message. And he's saying, my child, I want you to do this. Some of you may have answered that call already. Some of you may be in that profession. Or some of you may be in that stage where you don't know. You're, you're kind of waiting to, for signs to see where God wants to send you. Maybe, maybe the younger ones are, are struggling with that. Or maybe you just, you just don't know it all. You don't know where you need to be. You feel lost. You feel like... There's something more that God wants you to do, but you just don't know what. I encourage you to pray about it. I encourage you to read the Bible. I encourage you to ask God every day, God, what's next for me? What do you need me to do? I want to obey your commands. I want to follow your ways. And I want to follow your plan for me. I want you to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read uh, verse one, two, three. This is an example of uh, one of the you know I just picked out one of the commandments that was listed list, listed there, and I think some of you will appreciate this one. <clears throat> children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. For it is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Uh, provoke your children to anger but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we kind of see both sides of this. It says, children, obey your father and mother. Listen to what they have to say. Respect your father and mother. But it also tells the parents, it says, raise your children in the Lord. Make your children servants of Christ. Make your children have a heart of Christ. Make sure that they love God. And so we see both sides of that commandment there for For the children to obey God. For the children to to listen to their parents. And for the parents to make sure that their child is ready to serve God. That they're raising up servants of Christ. And then it goes on for generation and generation of raising up servants of Christ. There's these two verses in uh, John. And I find it fascinating that if you flip the numbers around... Once John chapter 14, verse 15, and the next one is John chapter 15, verse 14. They say something really similar, but they're two completely different verses. It says, you are my friend if you do what I command. You are a friend of God if you keep his commandments. How amazing is that to be considered a friend of God if you follow the commandments of Christ? You are my friend if you keep my commandments. And then we flip that over. That was John fifteen fourteen. But if we flip it and we go to John fourteen fifteen, it says, If you love me, keep my commands. When you keep God's commands, you are showing the example that I love Christ and I'm appreciative of the sacrifice that he made for me. Therefore, I want to serve him because I love him. I want to serve God because I love him. Continue on back in Mark, verse twenty-one. And Jesus looking at him and loved him and said, "You lack one thing. Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me." I want to point out a few things in that in that verse. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He could have took this many different ways. But he looked at him and he loved him and he said, come follow me. Sell so everything that you have and come follow me. Come follow me. I, I really appreciated Jesus' ministry because he came to seek and save the lost. And he says, come follow me. It does. It, come follow me as you are. And that, that, that statement is the same for us today. Oftentimes we're like, well, I, I, I don't know where my life is right now. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't deserve to be a follower of Christ. I don't, I, don't, I don't deserve to know Jesus. I don't deserve. And all these excuses. We are all sinners, and we all make mistakes, but God is always there to accept us, as I said in the beginning, with open arms. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God is always there to forgive you. God is always there with open arms, and he's saying, come, my child. Why have you waited so long? I'm here for you. And, and, And we get caught up in saying, well, well, He'll never accept me because I did this. Maybe some of us struggle with this. Maybe some of us don't. But he'll never accept me because I did this and because I'm living this lifestyle or because I did that. Where he's saying, no, I love you. Come. I forgive you. I give you. I forgive you. I give you constant grace and mercy every day. Come follow me. And we all have that opportunity. And we know that the rich young ruler turned away from God. And when we think about that, God must be the main focus in our lives. When we accept Jesus Christ in our lives, we must live our lives for Christ, not for ourselves. Verses, starting in verse 22, it says, This hardened by the saying, he went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at this words. but Jesus said to them, children, how difficult is it, in, is it to enter the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. And he said to them, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them in love. Jesus looked at them and said, with man is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so we see that. And, and when we read that last part, some of you may be saying, well, I'm, I'm not rich, so I don't struggle with, with money. But I think there's a greater theme here. That sometimes we all can be, we, we all have something that we place above God. We all have these earthly possessions that, that, that we invest our time in, that we, that we put our heart into. And, we, and we, we really don't think about that. We fall under the worship of materialistic things, these temporary things. We fall under the worship and we fall in love with a materialistic world instead of falling in love with the eternal God. Let me say that again. We fall in love with a materialistic world instead of falling in love with the eternal God. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing that you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not fall under the trap of the things of this world. And some of you may be saying, This is yeah, this is this is for the younger generation. You know, because they, they they're addicted to their iPhones and technology and things like that. But I think this applies to all of us because sometimes we do fall under the trap of materialism. It doesn't have to be technology be that collection that you have or whatever. Not saying those things are bad, but when those things start to consume our lives and we, we invest more time in that, then we invest more time of being servants in Christ, then that's where it becomes a problem. We were sent to this earth to be servants of Christ. And we're supposed to serve him. And sometimes we get caught up in our lives, and, and we get caught up in these materialistic things, and we get caught up in everything. Matthew six nineteen 19-21 says, Do not lay up yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where treasure is, there your heart will be also." For where treasure is, there your heart will be also. For whatever you invest your time in, that's where your heart is. So if you invest your time in all these other things, your heart is going to be there. Instead of your heart being in Christ. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Christ is all you need. We don't need to worry about anything because we have Christ. Christ has given us everything that we need. Christ, is, Christ has done it all. And he has given us everything we need. I want to tell this story and in, in, in reference to the uh, rich young ruler. And I'll think about this story and I'll, I'll explain kind of it after I tell this story. So this famous, this uh, family had this this vase that has been passed down from generation to generation it's by far the most expensive thing that they own it's priceless and so one day their their son mom mom's in the kitchen or somewhere I don't know where she was and dad's somewhere else and their their five-year-old son who leaves a five-year-old son alone anyways that's Their five year old son's just just wandering around the house and nobody's watching him. And uh, about, and then they hear a a cry for help from their son. So their parent instincts kicked in and they both run to uh, the dining room where the vase is. And uh, this kid has his hand stuck in this vase. And this vase, like I said, it's been passed down from generation to generation, it's priceless. And um, his hand stuck in there and so they're trying to figure it out they try to pull it out, it's not coming out. And they tried to try buttering his arm. That didn't work. And and they were trying and trying for about two hours, trying to get this hand kid this kid's hand out of the vase. And so uh Finally, dad said, "Well, in order to get his hand out of the vase, you're going to have to break it." Now, they love their kid more than they love that vase, and so of course they were going to, you know, they were going to break the vase. And so, uh, I don't know what dad went and got, but he got something to to uh, gently break this priceless vase. And so he breaks it open and the kid's hand come free. And the kid's hand, it's like it's squeezing something and it's all balled up and the parents soon figure out that if the, kids would, the kid would have opened his hand his hand would have slid right out but he had his fist balled now since he had his fist balled up and he had the opportunity to open his hand and slide his hand right out I don't know what happened to the kid after that uh, probably a big spanking but he had his, his hand all balled up and he pulled it out and he was holding on to, to, to just a little 10 cent toy that he did want to let go. And this and vase is priceless, but they broke that priceless vase to help out their son. And I think about that in relation to the rich young ruler. He had the opportunity at eternal life, he had the opportunity. To serve God, but instead he loved the things of this world. He was still holding on to that Tencent toy, and he literally turned his back to Jesus, and he faced the world. He embraced the world. He embraced all the problems of the world because he loved what he had. He loved the temporarily, the temp, the temp. I'm not going to say it because I can't get it out. He loved these things that are temporary, there we go, more than eternity. He, he loved that more than spending eternal life with Jesus. And so I, I think about it. I once watched a sermon by a famous uh, preacher, uh, Francis Chan. And he had this really long rope on a stage. And on this really long rope, there's probably about a red mark and about this big. And he said, this is your time here on earth. And the rest of this white rope, this is eternity with God. It's just endless and endless and endless. And we spend so much time worried about this little red marking that we don't worry about the rest of the rope. And that's what the rich young ruler, he's like, I want to have a happy time here on this earth. So I'm going to turn my back to Jesus and I'm going to embrace the world. And I'm going to be content with all the money that I have. And feel good about myself when I missed out on an opportunity of a lifetime. And some of us right now, we may, we, we, we may be embracing some of the things on the, of this world and facing the world and having our back to Jesus. And he's saying, come, my child. I have great plans for you. Just turn around. I have something great for you. But you're saying, the things over here, ooh, shiny, looks better than this. And, and, you know, that's sad to say, but sometimes I think we all struggle with that. I think at one point in our lives, or maybe many points in our lives, for sure in minds, that we had those times where we turned our back on Jesus, and maybe we're doing it right now. We're turning our back on Jesus, and we're embracing all the things of this world. And we're worried about the red marking on the rope, and we're not worried about the rest of that rope. And we know, I just want to say that this evening, if, if that's you if, you, if you are embracing the things of this world, I want you to think about eternity with God. I want you to think about the opportunities that you have in the kingdom of God. And not think about the things of this world. Because like I said, I think I've said it like ten times already because it's important. I'm, I'm a very repetitive person because I like to get a point across. And, and I like for you to remember phrases and things like that. So you have a decision. Are you going to choose to walk with God? To walk with Jesus? You're going to choose to turn your back and walk the other way. And some of you have already said that I've chosen to walk with God. There are some times where I, I drifted off and took a few steps back this way. Or some of you may be saying, I've been, I've been walking this way for a long time and I'm going to keep walking this way. Or I've been walking this way for a long time and I need to, I need to backtrack and come back this way and catch up to Jesus. Wherever you are right now. If you need prayer or if you, if you need help or if you, if you just if you want to say, I want to dedicate my life, I have decided to be baptized. Do it. What are you waiting for? Tomorrow is not promised, so why not do it right now? We, we always live our lives, well, I'll do this tomorrow and I'll do this tomorrow. Do it right now. Now is as great a sign as any. you join me as we please stand and sing.